Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. How are we doing tonight? Have a seat. Doing all right? Oh, man, usually you guys are louder than that. Doing all right? All right, all right, okay. Just want to make sure. I hope Leviticus hasn't bogged you down too far, right? So we still got a little ways to go. Um, so as, we, uh, as I was kind of studying the, the chapters this week, um, I, I thought about something, or God laid it uh, uh, on my heart, really my mind, I guess. Um, you know, if, uh, if you've never really looked closely at me physically, first of all, I don't blame you, all right? Uh, but second of all, uh, if you ever have or had done that, um, you might have noticed there's places on my skin that aren't the best. A little flaky, a little raw, a little red. Um, most of you are too kind to mention it. Some of the kids every once in a while come up to me and be like, Pastor Jamie, what's wrong with your elbows? Looks like dry dip or something that's just kind of flaking off. Or, you know, nice fun things like that. And uh, really build, up, build me up, make me feel better about myself. But they're, they're honest and they, they ask. And, and really what I have is a condition called psoriasis. Anyone, anyone else here have psoriasis? Okay, a few of us, right? So it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Uh, and there's no cure for it. There's ways of maintaining it depending on how bad it gets. I remember in high school, it was the first time I'd ever got some spots on me and uh, went to the doctor and got a referral to a dermatologist and, and uh, great doctor, not the best bedside manner, uh, as he uh, handed me, as he said, oh, I got to leave for a few minutes after he, he looked at me and he said, handed me a pamphlet. He says, I'll be back in a few. This is what you got. You can read up. <laughs> I look and it looked like a bunch of uh, reptile human beings in this pamphlet. Uh, I mean, they had, I was like, my goodness, this is what I have? And, and so when the doctor comes back into the room, I'm like panicking. I'm like, oh, doc, well, like, like, this is me? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Those are really severe forms. You're a much milder case of psoriasis. You'll be, you'll be fine. Like, Could have led with that, doc, right? Could have led with that, right? And, and, and so s- since then, it's been up and down, and, and really for the last several years, really hasn't been that bad. But I do have it, and there's really no getting rid of it. And why I bring that up is as I was reading through Leviticus chapters 11 through 15, a big chunk, and if some of you read that, like, there's, right, there's just really hard to figure out what this has to do with any of us today. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm like, like, God, like, how do I apply this to those who be listening to this message, right? And, and, and in the middle of that, he laid it on me. It's like, you know, I'm going to apply it to you, Jamie. And I got to thinking that, if this was the law for us that we read in Leviticus, chapters 11 through 15, if this was the law for us, not only would I not be your pastor, I wouldn't be preaching right now, I wouldn't even be allowed to be in here. And those of you who raised your hand earlier, you'd be out there with me. Outside the camp, outside the presence of God, outside the people of God because of being ritually unclean. And yet, here I am. Why? Thank you, Jesus. And that's the phrase that we're going to come back to for each one of us. And it might seem weird to look at these chapters of Leviticus, but I promise you, as you read them, you'll be able to come to that conclusion. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus. Lord, as we come um, with this text, it can be really hard for us to understand. We're so removed from Mount Sinai and the wilderness and And when you gave this law, but Lord, it is still who you are. You are still holy. 
and we are still unclean. So God, show us how these two are connected. And, and Lord, I especially ask that you would take this truth and apply it to my life and to the lives of each individual who's in this room. Lord, you know where we're at. You know whether we came in here excited about things in life or struggling deeply or most of us somewhere in between. And, 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 and Lord, you know what we need. So I pray that you supernaturally would use this time to bring it to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, so we have more uh, the reading guides uh, out. Um, they all went again last weekend. So uh, that's just simply not a big in-depth study, but it just kind of because we're going through large sections, only doing eight messages in Leviticus, so uh, like today. So it's always good to read it in advance to kind of familiarize yourself with something that probably has been a while since you read. So we printed more of those out. Uh, we'll keep printing them until they don't stop going, and then we'll assume, well, everyone who wants one has one. Um, and so you can, you can grab one for uh, as we go to next week after um, our time today. So as we, we look at these specific chapters, um, again, we, we've seen the, the, the offerings, we've seen the ordination of the priests, and now we get God giving these really specific uh, laws around ritual purity. And that's really important, right? So the, the, to, to understand what we mean by ritual purity. It's kind of summed up uh, in Leviticus 11.45. Uh, it says, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Right, so this section is about ritual cleanliness. Now, this is not the same thing as moral cleanliness. There's a whole section on that in a few weeks. So what I mean by that is these things like bodily discharges uh, that we're going to see or skin diseases or uh, other things, even the food laws, this isn't about sin. Having psoriasis doesn't mean I've sinned, right? But having it means I'm ritually unclean before God's holiness. He is set apart. And so the, the, the physical deformities we might have, the, the issues that we might have, these all reflect the fallenness of the world, and they reflect the unholiness because of what sin has brought. And so the, this section is on anyone who is to, the, the closer you are to getting to the presence of God. He's in the tabernacle, right? His special manifestation for the people. The, the, the more you have to ritually be cleaned and ritually be right. Even the animals you bring for sacrifices have to be spotless, right? So the same goes for his people. And he lays these uh, laws out because he wants them to understand how holy he is and how holy he wants and demands us to be, to be in his presence, and, and so he, 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 there's a ton here if you read through it, right? But I want us to just kind of focus our time on three sections. One, in chapter 11, is the food laws. Two, uh, in chapters 13 and 14, are the skin, the, the laws about the skin, which I already referred to with my own skin. And third, which is chapter 12 and chapter 15, bodily discharges, especially around childbirth and sex. Who's looking forward to that one? Amen? All right. Woo! Okay. Never know what you're going to get at church. So uh, we'll get to that. But so, so first is chapter 11, the, the first section. And this is um, the, what we know as the food laws. And, and, and even if you don't have a church background, if you have a Jewish friend, especially an Orthodox Jew, um, who uh, they, they still obey these. They have their own grocery stores called kosher, etc. Well, this is where that came from. 
All right? And, and so you, we see in uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, These are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. So this whole section is on what they can eat. It's amongst not, vegeta- not you know, vegetables, but amongst living things. So what animals are you allowed to eat, which they call clean? And what are you not allowed to eat? Otherwise, you'll be ritually, imp- uh, you'll be ritually unclean if you do. And, and so it, these are split into three major sections. And you have the animals that walk on the land. You have the animals that are in the water, both the ocean and freshwater. And you have the animals that fly, birds, right? And, and so he, he, he really looks at, at he kind of tells them very specifically that these are the ones that are clean, that these are the ones that are unclean. Now, again, this is not God saying a lobster is evil, right? Or that the rock badger is somehow of Satan and you can't eat it. That's not, it's, it's ritually unclean. It's different. And, and so, so you, he, he lays it out. And if you look at, at those who are um, the, the animals that are on dry land, he really gives two specific things, how they eat and how their, their, their paws are, or specifically how their, you know, their, their feet are. And, and he kind of differentiates between those you might not eat and those you, you can eat, right? In the water, it's fins and scales. You can eat those. And unfortunately for me, who just love me, some calamari, some lobster, some king crab. I know you guys are getting hungry. Don't worry. It'll get better. Uh, and, 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 and just, no, that's unclean, right? Those, those are in the sea, and they're unclean. And then you get to the, the birds of the air, and he gives very specific about those you can eat and those you can. Um, and, and he doesn't really say why. Some think, well, a lot of the birds he says you can't are birds that prey on carcasses, right? Uh, think vulture, right? And, and so maybe because certainly dead bodies are always, uh, from, from God's perspective and his law, you read in Leviticus, you get in contact with one, you're unclean, ritually unclean. And so, so he, he, he lays this out. He also gets to insects. You're not allowed to eat the flying insects, but if they hop around like locusts, you can eat them, all right? Like John the Baptist, you can read about. Uh, and, and, so, and he lays that all out in chapter 11 for, for his people. And, and so the big question that I know you probably have, unless you think you know the answer, you may not, think you do, because I thought I did, but then I'm like, wait, I don't, as I studied it further, is why? Like, why did God differentiate these animals and birds and fish versus these like what what caused him to say these are unclean and these are clean and the answer we don't really know and I know you're thinking that's not why we pay you the big bucks Jamie come on man so I'll I'll do my best but really ultimately the scriptures just don't say so if they knew and God told them it's not preserved in scripture for us there's a few theories. The first is more modern. It's called the hygiene theory. And you probably may have even thought this. But this is a very modern idea that, that we care about what we put in our bodies and food and what's this or that. And so we think, well, God just really knew, don't eat this, it carries disease, but this is okay because it doesn't. And the fact of the matter is there might be some to that, but if you really look and study it, there's plenty of animals that are clean that can definitely carry disease. And animals considered or called, uh, decreed unclean that, that really don't any more than uh, one of the clean animals. So it doesn't really hold up. It sounds good, but it doesn't really hold up. The other one is pagan uh, ritual theory, which just basically means that the unclean animals were in some way with the surrounding cultures are, were um, animals that they revered or they used in their own worship. And so God was trying to get them to be 
be separate. Don't use those animals, and so those are unclean. And that might be something to that too, but it really doesn't hold up again because um, if you look at the most sacred animal in their time and culture amongst pagans was the bull. And if you remember of our burnt offering section, the most prominent animal, if you were wealthy to bring to a burnt offering, was a bull. So God probably wouldn't have made that a, a clean animal, but he did. And so it doesn't hold up. The third one that's harder to really understand is a symbolic theory, and that's just that, that, that there was this sort of set, distinct way that animals are supposed to behave, and those that are outside of it are considered unclean, and they symbolize God's people when you don't do what God has set you to do. You're unclean. It sounds good, but I don't really see it in Scripture. So those who go with it, they really go run off in different places that um, might be right, but I like to tether myself to what the Word says, and that's it. Call it simple. That's what I like to do. So maybe there's something to all three of those, but like I said, what we, we really don't know. Like, we, we, we don't know exactly why, you know, the, the cow's okay and the pig isn't, right? And the, 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 uh, the, the salmon's fine, but the, the lobster isn't. And why did he do that? But here's what we do know, and this is what's so important, right? Is that the, 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 the foods and the food laws are what made, or one of the major primary, primary ways God's people were distinct from the surrounding people groups. That's still the case, right? You have your own grocery store. That makes you pretty distinct and separate, doesn't it? And so what the food laws did is they built up, right, which I kind of have brought my boxes here. A lot of you were worried about these were boxes of problems. That's not what this is, all right? And kind of built up these food laws, a distinction, right? So a separation between me if I'm, in, I'm part of God's chosen elective people, his grace, not because I earned anything. He chose me, his people. I have the food laws, and anyone else is outside. You're not in God's family. And, and so God's people, as they observed these food laws, it constantly reminded them that I am different and I am distinct. There is a barrier between those inside and those outside. And that really caused them to trust God, like I am under his grace. Right? So the food laws were given to that. So, so the, the, the question then becomes, like for Christians, do we follow the food laws? Well, we don't, but why not? And some, um, some uh, sects, S-E-C-T-S, and uh, cults, they, they like to um, bring us back. Right? They, they like to... to um, uh, want us to, to go back and follow the food laws. But there's a couple of main reasons why we don't do that. The first is very simple. The scripture teaches us that we don't. It starts with Jesus. And so if you're, you're wondering about this, and, and I'm going too quickly for you, you might uh, mark down somewhere the, the, the um, Mark chapter 7. All right, And so this is where Jesus is, is arguing and debating, as he often did with Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of, of the day. And they often argued about this very specific thing we've been talking about, Leviticus, the law. The, the Pharisees loved the outward law, the washings and the offerings and the food laws, and they loved it, all, all of that stuff. And, and Jesus said, man, you're missing the point of those ritual purity laws. They're meant to reflect the inward purity. 
Right? So they're arguing about this, specifically about how they don't do the proper washings, he and his followers. And, and Jesus says this in Mark chapter 7, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not, uh, it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and it's expelled. And then Mark makes this in parentheses. Thus he, Jesus, declared all foods clean. He did that. So that's why we, as Christians, don't. He goes, it goes on, Jesus goes on, verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, for, from, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. He says all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Right? So, so the, the, the foods right, and the distinction of that, they were erected by the law in Leviticus. But Jesus has come and he has said, no, 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 the foods are clean. So sure, when you eat a nice you know, rack of ribs, thank you, Jesus. You eat that lobster, oh man, fresh from the boat. Thank you, Jesus, because he made foods clean. Why? Because he came not to abolish, but to fulfill the law. Now, that, that the, um, it, there's a, a second place that I want to show you, and that's Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. This is Jesus has died, he's risen, he's uh, ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit's come, the church is formed, the Apostle Peter's kind of the chief of the apostles at this point, right? And, and, and he's a devout Jewish man. So, so just like all of the Jews who came to Christ, they're still Jewish. They just realize that Christ is the, the, the Messiah. And, and so they're still circumcising. They're still following the food laws, all that, right? And including Peter. But the weird thing that caused a lot of tension was the gospel began to go out, Right to Gentiles, they're non-Jews, and so the, the, they're so now it's, there's this question, there's this debate. Like, do you still need to be circumcised? Do you still need to follow the food laws? You're you're, you're not Jewish, but you're in the family of God through Christ. What do we do about this? Right. So this was the the early, first real controversy of the early church, and and in Acts chapter ten, Peter's hungry, and and so he's about to make himself a meal, and in so doing. He gets, uh, he, he gets into this kind of trance-like state and sees a vision of a sheet coming from heaven. And this is um, what it says. In it, that sheet, were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means. Don't you love Peter? He's my patron saint if such a thing exists, right? If you ever find yourself saying to the Lord, by no means, stop. Check yourself, right? But here's Peter, right? It's just, it's just how he is, right? By no means, because he thinks, he's a, he thinks I, I got an argument that the Lord just forgot about, right? He says, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. It has changed. What has changed? Jesus. So Peter eats, and that had to have been really, really strange for him. And then he's, he's told to go to this Gentile, non-Jewish man named Cornelius in his household. And, and, and he goes there, and, and he finds out that Cornelius had had a vision 
from God to send for Peter to come share the gospel with him. And so Peter hears this and he's just blown away by what God is doing. And so he says this. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Right? So what Christ has done, he's taking the walls of distinction that unless you, and there might be one or two of you that, that are a descendant of Abraham, so you'd consider your background Jewish, the most of us, no, no, no. We're outside, and Christ has said, there it goes. Right? Christ has made us clean. He's declared the food laws clean right? and fulfilled. And so, so like, you can eat. Because that's not a distinction anymore, right? There, there, there is no more distinction between Jew and Gentile. There's no more distinction. Thank you, Jesus. Easy for us, 2021 here, take it for granted. If Jesus didn't come, you're out. Like, you're not on the inside, right? You, you're out, so am I. But today you can come into his presence because of Jesus, Right? Those walls have been destroyed forever. There is no slave. There is no uh, free. There is no uh, Greek or Gentile. There's no Jew. There's no rich. There's no poor. There's no anything that distinguishes us from anyone else except Jesus. And he invites, he's Lord of all. And so the walls are down, but we, um, if you're like me, we, we tend to want to, Build them back up, don't we? And, and, and this, this happens in a couple of, uh, of ways. One of them went all the way over here. And I think we, we do this. You see some uh, groups do this. They, they want to bring the food laws back because, and it's always done this way. If you notice a group that does this, they always do it because they want to be better than you. Ha ha, I'm doing the right thing and you're doing the wrong. I have a distinct, I am distinct before God from you because you don't eat the right things or you eat the wrong things and yet Christ has declared all food clean. But we also, we also build these walls ourselves and we believe that we, that comes between us and God. And, and, and we aren't good enough to be over here. And we, we do this on a regular basis. I know I do. We, 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 we listen to the voice of the enemy saying, you're not enough. You've sinned. You've blown it. You screwed up. How dare you? You're, you're, you're behind the wall. Right? You're unclean. You, 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 right? And yet, like, we know Christ has, 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 has torn these walls down, and yet why do we build them back up? Look, I don't know how you're, you're wired, but when it happens to you or what the, maybe the stressful part of your week is or when the enemy attacks you the most. For me, it's a little opposite to most. It's the weekend. It's not a refre refreshment time for me. That's Monday. Monday I wake up, I drool on myself for a few hours, and I go back to bed. That's kind of how Monday works. But the weekend is big, right? I'm going to do this three times, and God uses this for the betterment of people's souls. At least that's the prayer goal. And yet, right, Satan's always, always, always saying, you're not enough. Who are you? Mail it in. Who cares? You can't do it. 
Why should they listen to you? You're unclean. You've blown it. Right? And, and that's just, he doesn't, he, he just leads me to try to build these walls back up. You ever do that to yourself? I mean, this weekend, even it's probably, I don't know, it's like I often think is Heather's away in a ladies' retreat, so when my wife's not around, she tends to ground me. She doesn't even know she does that. But it, it, it's just this constant enemy saying, you're not enough. Who do you think you are standing up and pronouncing God's word or doing whatever? Like, and, and I build that wall. Man, you just have to remember that Jesus knocked it over. He's not coming back. That you aren't made clean to enter his presence except for what he did, not for what you did. You can remember that when you, instead of when you follow food laws and remember God's grace, now you can eat whatever you want and remember God's grace. So, so that's why. I, I'm not kidding. When you were eating a great meal, the men, I wouldn't have been able to eat this. Thank you, Jesus. Not just thank you, Jesus, because I'm eating a great meal, but thank you, Jesus, that the walls are torn down forever. That's the food laws. And that's why we, don't, that's why we need to understand them, but why we don't need to obey them anymore. They've been fulfilled. They've been declared clean. Now, I'll, I'll skip the, the section 12, because I'm going to put that with, uh, I mean, chapter 12. I'm going to put that with chapter 15. I, I want to talk to you for a minute about the skin laws, and that's chapters 13 and 14. And, and again, you, let me, just this is how it begins. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin uh, of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. And it goes on from there, which we won't read. We don't have time for that. But he basically explains 21 different situations, all these different skin ailments and, and problems. And, and really, what is this about? This is about... Um, the, the priests, they weren't doctors, right? They weren't there to heal you. They were to uncover. Is this a really bad skin disease? And, and therefore, you being ritually unclean. Now, when you see in the Bible leper, okay, and you see it often, it's not the same uh, as what in modern day we'd call Hansen's disease, which is what's called leprosy today. So leprosy is an incredibly broad category, as you see in these chapters, where it can mean skin disorders of all kinds, all the way to uh, mildew in your clothing and in your home, right? And so it lays all of that out and calls it leprosy. So, so when you see that, don't think just modern-day leper, but especially with the skin disease portion, you think of, of all of these different ailments could fall under that umbrella of leprosy. And so what would happen is if you definitely had a major skin disease and you went to, you'd go to a priest, they would declare you ritually unclean. But a lot of times, and that's what these chapters lay out, is you're not sure. And if you're like me, you'd get a spot, and you're like, I ain't showing nobody this. Like, I don't want to be unclean, right? And then it just kind of gets worse and worse. You're like, oh, no. I better go to the priest and show the priest. And so then the priest looks, and he's like, huh, I'm not really sure. This could just be a symptom of something else, right? And, and so you'd, you'd be shut up in quarantine for a week, and then he'd examine you again, and you'd be shut up for another uh, week, and then he'd look at you again. And basically that process would show. If this was just some other thing and it's starting to heal, you're declared clean. You can then wash yourself, give sacrifices, and you're good to go. Right? You're, you're on the inside. But if after a couple of weeks he looks, sees that, wow, that's under the skin, that's not good at all, 
That's, you are now considered unclean, which is a really sad kind of state. Because, um, and let me just give you the words from Leviticus. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. I mean, think about that. Like, so what you are called to do if you were con- uh, declared ritually unclean. Remember, a lot of the people thought it was because you were a sinner, but God never said that. Like, you're just, you're not, you're unclean ritually, so you cannot be in the presence of God or in his people. So you are, you are called to rip your clothes, which was a sign of mourning, and you lived outside the camp, and here's what would happen. If anyone kind of, who was clean, kind of came into your sphere, you're supposed to yell, unclean, unclean. Imagine that's your existence. Telling people, anyone you come to, I'm not, I'm unclean. Like, I'm outside. Like, you don't want to come near me because I will defile you. Imagine that. Well, that's the reality, right? That's the sad reality. And most of these diseases are not like, you couldn't go to a doctor and they'd cure you, right? All you have to do is pray and only God is going to do something about this. Um, no priest could do anything about it or pastor, right? You just, you just pray and Man, it, 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 as you think about that, that reality and think about those people that dealt with that, that seems harsh, doesn't it? But remember, God is holy. He can't, he's never going to make himself not holy because that's who he is. And so, yeah, it might seem harsh until you remember how much God loves us that he came to be with us to deal with it. Do you think, if you've read the Gospels, maybe you haven't read much of Leviticus, but you've read the Gospels plenty of times, right? How often do you see Jesus dealing with lepers? If you've ever wondered, like, of all the different things that Jesus clearly did, he did a ton, he healed people from every kind of thing. But man, a lot of times we see lepers, lepers, lepers. Why? Now you know. Because of Leviticus. There's this one time that I'll, I'll give you, um, and this is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountains, great crowds followed him. They were always following him. He's a famous rabbi. He's healing people. He's saying amazing things. He's taking on the establishment. He had crowds. He was like, man, they, they, they just wanted to be around Jesus. So there's a huge crowd around him. Verse 2, it says, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now remember, this guy is unclean. He's supposed to be outside. He's not supposed to be in crowds, bumping up against people, right? Not supposed to be there. That's not what he's supposed to do, right? So, and he's certainly not supposed to go up to a, a, a famous rabbi and speak to him. Here, unclean. What are you doing? What is he doing? He's desperate. He has a desperate faith that Jesus can do what no one else can do. And so his faith is evident when he, when he just literally drops before Jesus, right? Not knowing what he'll do. But he's like, I know that, that you can make me clean. Like no one else can. I am unclean. I can't go in the presence of God. I can't go to church. I can't go to synagogue. I can't be, I have to cry out to everyone I meet. I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And yet I believe you can make me clean. And the crowds that were there were probably like, whoa, this guy touched me. What's going on? How dare he do such a thing? And yet we have verse 3. And Jesus stretched out his hand 
and t- if you, if you, it's so easy to miss this, but you can't. You've got to remember, to touch a leper makes you unclean. Nobody would do it. He could have just spoke to him from a distance, but it says he reached out his hand and he touched him. This guy hadn't been touched by anybody for who knows how long. Maybe another leper. I don't know. Nobody else. And this famous rabbi that everyone's clamoring to see takes the time and he reaches out and he touches him. So yes, God is holy, but man, is God loving. And is God compassionate? And is God kind? And he says, I will. And then two fabulous, miraculous words that nobody with any integrity could ever say. Jesus says, be clean. Be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. You see, Jesus doesn't say, oh, that law is old-fashioned, that's stupid, I don't know why Moses did that. God wasn't really in his right mind. That's not what he says, right? He, 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 didn't, he didn't say that that law doesn't matter anymore. He fulfilled it. But he came and he did something about it. So God is holy. We are unclean, right? And yet Christ is the one that says, be clean. And only Christ can say, What is the role that we have? Faith. That guy had desperate, desperate, desperate faith to come before Jesus and say, I know you can clean me. I know you can clean me. And so that's why whatever skin ailment you have or mildew problem or whatever ritually may make you unclean, when you know Christ, he's made you clean. His blood has been shed to cover it. That's why Leviticus is important. In the last section, not as long, the last section is, um, I promised you, bodily discharge, good stuff. Leviticus chapter 11 and Leviticus chapter 15. I mean, Levitic, I should say 12. So, so chapter 12 is all about a woman who gives childbirth and is um, how she has to go through these rites and procedures, right, to become clean. Because again, She's not a sinner because she had a baby, right? She's ritually unclean. Here's the important thing to remember. It isn't the childbirth that made her unclean. The child is not unclean, right? It's the afterbirth, and I don't need to give you any more details on that. I think we have a lot of people that know. If not, ask someone after church, okay? That is what makes her unclean. Again, not sinful, right? But ritually unclean. And so you cannot go into the presence of God, and so there would be all these laws around how she gets made clean. Um, but then we go skip ahead to chapter, um, f- uh, chapter 15, where it's all bodily discharges surrounding, again, either birth or sex. And so both men and women, and you can read all about that, be a great lunchtime conversation with your kids and grandkids, all right? And uh, um, there, there seems to be normal uh, things that happen, and then also, uh, you know, some things that seem like Things aren't quite right, right, and diseases or that kind of thing, and they make people ritually unclean, and they have to deal with that, and that chapter really lays that out. But that includes, and this is where I want us to to focus on, that includes the menstrual cycle, right, which was normal, still is, Uh, and, and so women who were having their menstrual cycle were considered ritually unclean, and then they had to deal with that 
right? And it wasn't a huge deal. It was a daily part of life. All of these things were. It was not like, you know, you had to be outside the camp forever. You just, there was this, this ritual things you need to go through. But here's something that we see in, in chapter 15 that I, I want you to, to see, because this is where it becomes um, real hard. It says, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. So this is, if there's conditions, and there are until today, we just have medicine and, and, and procedures to help you, but there is conditions in which a woman is perpetually unclean because it's, it's as if her menstrual cycle is happening all the time, right? And, and so if that's the case, you're always unclean, always. Now, why do I bring that out, that part of this law? Because this will shed light on a story, uh, one of the most inter- intimate interactions Jesus ever had with someone. And a lot of you have read it, maybe all of you have, but now when you read Leviticus, you understand why this is here. Because in the Levitical law, you're unclean. And so let me, let me take you um, to Luke chapter 8. As Jesus went, as he walked, and he was going to, to heal someone else, the people pressed around him. Again, so popular. Tons of people all around him, jostling him, right? His, his disciples are acting as, as bodyguards uh, and, and, all, and all that, right? And, and it says, uh, hold on, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm one ahead here. Okay, so as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, Levitical law, what does that mean? She can't go to synagogue, she can't go to church, she can't go to temple, she can't bring any offerings, right? She can't get married, she can't, because she make him, her husband unclean, right? She is unclean. Twelve years, that's her state, right? And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So she's so desperate that she spends every penny on some doctor can help her, and nobody can. And nobody can. Like the leper, she should not be here. <laughs> this is a crowd of people. This is a famous rabbi. You shouldn't be here, lady. And yet, she is. She came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. There's Peter again. You're wrong. But Jesus ignored Peter. <laughs> Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Right? So Jesus is in the crowds. They're jostling around. This woman is so desperate because of the Leviticus law, knowing that she's, she's unclean, that she sneaks up behind him. She shouldn't be doing this. She definitely hit other people to try to do it, made them unclean by the law. Right? And she reaches out, just says, man, if I just grab his robe, that's all because I know that he can clean me, that he can cleanse me from my impurity. What faith that was, right? What faith that was. And she was cleansed immediately. Now, if it were me, probably you too, you'd just be like, okay, let's get out of here now. I 
shouldn't have done any of that. I've gotten what I've come for. Like, why bother him anymore? I'll go celebrate in privacy, right? Go see a priest, get this, this thing figured out. The problem is Jesus stopped, <laughs> turns around. Who touched me? Who touched me? Imagine what she must have been feeling. Like, you know the story. It's easy to skip ahead. If you're her, whew, oh, don't, don't look at me. Right? Don't, don't look at, at me. But it says this. Luke writes this. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. When it says she realizes she couldn't be hidden, you know what that means? He was looking at her. <laughs> Who touched me? And she's just like... I don't know what's going to happen with this. I'm, I'm, I'm healed. That's really good, but I shouldn't have done that. But she can't be hidden. So she comes out in, into the light, and, and she just falls before Jesus and before everyone who's there. Man, I was unclean, and I did this. This is why I, I touched him, and I'm healed. And, and you got to figure, the people in the crowd, it's a mixed crowd. There has to be some people who are like, how dare she do that? He's a rabbi. He shouldn't do that. But I'll bet there's a lot of other people in that crowd that were like, yeah, I need to touch his robe too. I need to be cleaned. You see, when you, when you tell your testimony, there will be some people that hate you for it, but some people will be led to the cross because of it. Don't stop telling your story. Don't stop giving your testimony. God will use it. And so these, the crowd looks on, and, and she's knelt before Jesus, and she gives that testimony. She says, I'm, I'm healed, right? I'm healed from my uncleanness, that nobody else could do anything about it. And then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in shalom. Which means wholeness, wellness, right. And, and this is the only recorded time that Jesus uses the term daughter. That's special. The, the Leviticus law says you're unclean, you can't become for the presence of God, you're out, right? And Jesus says, daughter, you're clean. Do you see why it's important to know the book of Leviticus? It points to Christ, every page. Levitical law is fulfilled. God is holy, and we are ritually unclean. And don't forget, I'll bring you back to Leviticus. Thus, Lord says, thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. Right? And so God is holy. He'll never stop being holy. And yet, God is love. God is compassionate. God is good. So much that he came and he dealt with the fact that we can't approach his holiness. And that's what the Gospels teach us. It's not like the law was dismissed. Jesus did something about it because we couldn't. And so when we, when we look to this, all of this law in, in, in Leviticus uh, and, and we read this, our, our faith makes us well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I want, it, 
if long after I'm dead and buried and you're still around and you're reading your Bible reading plan, you get to Leviticus and you're like, oh, Leviticus. I want you to remember, not me, I want you to remember some pastor maybe years ago that pointed you to the fact that written on every page of Leviticus is Jesus Christ, the grace and love of God. That you can know, that you can be made clean, you can be made whole. That that law will not condemn you because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And so if you're not a Christian, you're invited into that. You are. Like, like most of us who are Christians, we've had that moment in our life where it felt like God, he was looking it right at me, just like that, that woman. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't hide. And I had to come before him and just say, I'm unclean. And he reached down. And my faith in him and his power made me clean. And that could be you. If you're not already a Christian, that can be you. There's no secret ceremony. There's no specific, like, you just have to come to him and say, make me clean. You're the only one who can. Nothing else. No doctor, no pastor, no priest, certainly not you, can make you clean before a holy God. But Christ can. And for the rest of us who are already Christians, I just want us every day. That's why we say preach the gospel to yourself every day. Because this isn't a one-time faith and now you've got to gut it out. This is every day. I'm clean before a holy God because of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So you eat this beautiful meal. Thank you, Jesus, right? I, I can go into the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Because without you, I'd never be able to come. I'd never be able to be made whole. And so whatever the struggles, whatever the problems, we can get up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, I um, lack words to express the thanksgiving and joy that when we put the, pu the puzzle pieces together, how awesome you are, how glorious you are. Thank you, Jesus. That skin diseases and discharges, all the other ritual impurities in this section of Leviticus, they will never keep us from you, O oh God, because of Jesus. And so, Lord, as we, we come before your throne, I pray for anyone who's just they're just desperate like the leper. They're desperate like the woman that we saw. That they would know that they too can be clean from their sin, from their brokenness, from their past, from all they've done. They can be clean if they would just do what they did and say, Jesus, make me whole, make me well. Would you draw them, Lord, to you tonight in faith? that they wouldn't turn to the world in all of the useless ways it offers, the emptiness it offers, but to you. And Lord, for your people in this room, that we might sing with joy, leave here with joy, wake up tomorrow with joy, despite the aches and pains and hardships and difficulties that we might know, wow, you love us that much. That we might remember how you reached out to the leper and how you said, daughter, you are well. Oh, Lord, that you do the same for us and that we might preach, that you would remind us to preach the gospel to our own souls every day. 
We praise your name. And lastly, we just come before you saying and singing, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.